Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Demetta, and here with me, as always, is the incredibly analytical Elliot Shibley. Thank you, Bob. I am analytical, and I, I, it's not it's not intentional. It's just everything I do, everything I see is just constantly analyzing. I'm with you, man. But I guess that's part of being human. Yeah. Our guest some people, today. Is, some people have better internal calculators. Sorry, that's go on. true. Our guest today is Carolyn May Lee, and she has spent the last several years working with Cirque du Soleil, running the front of house departments in 17 different countries so and over 50 different cities worldwide. So she has a lot of experience with travel and especially in the entertainment industry. And currently, she is an experienced strategist for traveling, and we talk about her history through traveling and what it means to be an experienced strategist and how she's trying to improve the traveler's experience for every hotel, restaurant, or other activity, whether it be an adventure or a tour. So it was a wonderful conversation with her, a lot of insight into travel. Yeah, very informative. Uh, before we get into the, the conversation, though, it's time for our travel tip of the week. So very quickly, when you're in Google Earth, Use the little orange guy. You know that little street view guy that you can drop down onto the street literally anywhere? No, I shouldn't say that. Not anywhere. Like, there's huge parts of, of Africa and, and other areas hey, there, in the world. There are you... parts of central PA that don't have it. Oh, well, yeah. that's that's Yeah, so there's not everywhere. I, I take that back. And okay. uh, anywhere you can put him, especially if you're traveling to that destination. So something that I really like to do, if I'm traveling to a foreign city specifically, and I'm not sure... Uh, where the car rental place is or where my what my Airbnb may look like. If you drop the little orange guy into Street View and get a good look at the front of the building or the front door or just the neighborhood, the street, when you actually get there and you get out of your Uber or you pull up in your rental car, it makes it much easier to say, oh, oh, look, there's the building. I remember what it looked like. And you just park. You don't have to try to find it while simultaneously getting navigating through traffic definitely give it a try highly recommend it and don't worry you don't have to do what bob does which is do street view the entire route from i did that one time <laughs> you do it every time <laughs> i did i did it from uh, zagreb which is in central croatia all the way to the dalmatian coast not the entire thing but i was driving that highway for quite some time for a few hours and i wanted to make sure i understood the street signs and so an he, idea he, the highway he drove like. it virtually first practice i am making i'm making fun of you practice makes perfect oh i know uh, before we get into the conversation, I, I'm sure if you're if you're already a fan of the show that you you're fully aware that we are a consulting service in addition to a travel podcast. We can help you get cheap airfare, and we also have a video blueprint tutorial that helps you navigate urban cities, book airfare, sift through restaurant blogs and research, lay out the itinerary, and then understand safety, local norms, and thoughtful travel. You can. Buy that through our website, and we highly recommend and appreciate it. Uh, lastly, <laughs> the we have our very own tour guide, Keshler Thibert. He's contributed a lot to this show uh, since we've met him. And if you are in the Philadelphia area, we highly recommend booking a tour with him through our website or through his website at Lake and Art Tourism. I think that's it for my spiel, right? I don't have anything else, Elliot. No, I think that's it, bud. No, go ahead. No, so well, without further introduction, please give it up for our next guest, Caroline. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Caroline, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited. Let's go. 
All right. So we are we are very excited to talk to you today. Uh, you have spent a good portion of your career with Cirque du Soleil, which is very exciting. And you have a very interesting background from growing or being born in New Zealand, growing up in Australia. Your mother is Kiwi. Your father is French. Hence the name Caroline with an E, though, so that us Americans can pronounce it or pronounce <laughs> That's, that's how you pronounce pronunciation. Pronounce. <laughs> uh, and your mother is Spanish. So it's all very interesting. And now you are working to enhance experiences, not just in travel, but in other aspects of life. And you do one-on-one -on -one consulting to help people do better at what they do and enjoy it more. And I, today we are really going to look at your history of travel and how it influenced you to become this experienced strategist and then how your experienced strategist helps people become better travelers and get more out of their travels. So why don't we start with your journey to becoming an experienced strategist? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I started my career in hospitality, like a lot of young kids do, you know, when they come out of school and uh, I very early on fell into leadership roles in that regard. And I started to work in a number of different areas and really loved that idea of, of connecting with people coming from all over the world, you know, with different stories. And that's one of the aspects that I love most about hospitality because of the kind of guests that you're interacting with. And then I, you know, I did, I went to university, I was traveling a lot. I did a number, I, I did a number of different things, but Cirque du Soleil came along to uh, my city of Brisbane in Australia. And I actually grew up uh, as a gymnast. So I was very, very much well aware of, of that company and how iconic it was and how incredible the shows were. And I worked uh, as a local employee behind the bar. And that kind of started a 10 year long love affair uh, with the company. And it, it, I traveled all over the world with them. And I focused, all of my work was in the front of house. So basically everything that touched the guests that happened around the show. And I did a number of different roles in the, that department, but I very much spoke, focused on the VIP experiences. And that whole journey has very highly influenced what I'm doing now. Now, in between all of those 10 years, I did do some, I did leave and come back and did some other things. I actually ran the entertainment department on a cruise ship at one point. Oh, okay. And I worked with some other, on some other entrepreneurial um, ventures around villa experiences in Portugal. And so I did a number of different things that were all quite complementary to what I do now. And I finished uh, with Cirque du Soleil at the beginning of 2020. And then we all know what happened in 2020. And so it was a really interesting moment of me thinking, okay, how am I going to take all the skill set that I have, all of the experience, all the things that I absolutely love and want to continue to build and develop on and, and kind of share with, with the world. And that resulted in me really focusing on the experience itself, because I really didn't as a full-time traveler, and, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners can attest to this, when you're traveling and moving, you're experiencing things all the time. And there's great experiences and, and there's terrible experiences. But I also think there's a lot of experiences that, that sit in the middle of that spectrum that just have so much potential. If only a little bit of attention to detail was placed on certain elements or a little bit more thoughtfulness or personalization or intentionality was, was really thought about, 
in the process of creating that experience. And that's really what kind of lights me up and gets me going is those, those middle of the, the, the pack experiences. And that's where I come in and kind of look at the journey of the guests. What, what, how this business wants their guests to feel? What do they want? What impact do they want to have on the guests' lives? And all these questions that maybe as a business they would have never thought about before. And that's kind of where I come in and say, okay, what can we do with this experience and how can we make it kind of live up to its potential and really create some impact? So that's what I'm doing now. All right. That sounds awesome. So can you give us an, a bit of an example of say someone wanted to, or I guess an example that you've actually worked with someone on a trip and how if they were going somewhere and they wanted to do specific things or they didn't have an idea of what they wanted to do, how would you help them? Yeah, so I focus more on the businesses that would work with the guests. So for example, I recently worked with a business in the Maldives that were a business of tour operators, tour guides that were um, creating incredible tours around the islands. and, And I really worked with the tour guides to help them better understand the journey of their guests. So better understand their guests before they even arrived and how they could connect with them better and how on top of the, because the experience itself, if you're an experienced designer, if you're a business that creates an experience in travel, the experience itself is probably going to be good, right? Let's be honest. Most of us, a lot of times nature will do the work for you or yep. the, the monuments will do the work for you or the amazing food in that place will, you know, will make it very easy for you. But my job was to kind of go in and then take that to the next level and help them really, really find that potential in the experience that they've created and then how they can then really transform what they're doing with the guests themselves. So I predominantly work on that side of things. And my hope is that that will then trickle down to the guests and then they will feel that impact when they're actually booking those trips, going on those experiences. Okay. So so what did you find or, or what are you finding it, that guests prioritize in their for their experiences? Yeah, so I think this last year has been very interesting, right? And and the, a big focus that I'm having right now is really bringing a lot more personalization into the experience. And of course, this can be very challenging if you have many, many travelers and many guests and you have quite a big company. But there's so many amazing small businesses that are actually providing some really incredible experiences. And as, a tra- as travelers, when we, when we go to a place, when we book an experience or when we naturally experience something ourselves, we want to feel like we're seen. We want to feel like we're understood a little bit. We want to feel a level of connection that potentially we didn't even expect that we were going to have. We want to, and we want to connect with like-minded people. So even if you're on the other side of the world and you know nobody and you don't even know the language, if you can feel that connection with somebody, That is, I think, where the magic is. And so a lot of my work really stems around that. How do you want the guests to feel? And what are they expecting on the trip that is above and beyond the actual experience? You're like, yes, if I'm going to Paris, I expect to see the Eiffel Tower. I expect to maybe take, you know, a boat ride down the Seine. I expect to do all of these things that you you would typically do in Paris. But what are those unspoken things that we are looking for as travelers and a lot of the time it is connection and I I, I think especially now coming out of 2020 everyone is craving that right after a year of isolation polarity negativity so um, 
I, I would say connection would be the number one thing. And if you're able to achieve that in whatever way that means in the business, then I think you have created a pretty magical little moment with your guests that will actually create a lot more impact than you probably realize in the moment. Okay. I, I will say my, my wife's aunt and uncle uh, absolutely love Disney World. And, they, and I think, Bob, you have two friends that love Disney World as well. And for what it's worth, I have been to Disney World a few times, but I've never taken the full breadth of the experience. I've always just stayed off site or at someone else's house and then just gone into the parks and done my own thing. But from the way they tell it, if you do the full package, you get like the meal plans, you stay on site, they tailor everything to you and make that experience so personal and it just makes people want to come back. I mean, it, it turns non-believers into absolute lovers of Disney World. And it sounds that's like that's kind of what you're doing. You're not necessarily making a Disney World in every location. But you are making sure people feel important and making yeah. sure they feel like they are there and not just a number. Yes. And even if, you know, uh, Disney's really a really interesting company to discuss because I would also um, talk about Cirque du Soleil in the same regard. And when you go to watch a Cirque du Soleil show, first of all, you, you have the expectation that you're going to be blown away in some form of another, right? You're going to see something you've never seen before. Or you're going to feel something. But oftentimes the, the story of Cirque du Soleil, even though they don't have very strict storylines, the shows, it, 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 there's always some kind of transformation where the main characters at the beginning maybe is a little bit shy, you know, they're timid, they're, they're, they don't know what they're doing or they're, they don't know where they're going. And then, and then you see that transformation of the character throughout the, the journey of the, the show. And I think why that resonates with so many people is because a lot of people can see themselves in that story. So amongst all of the amazing things that they're seeing and, oh my gosh, and whoa, like, I, you know, all these, all these crazy emotions, deep down, there is that journey that they can see themselves, that they can connect with. And again, I think, you know, Disney World is the perfect example of that as well, is you're spending a, actually quite a lot of time in those parks. You never just go for a couple of hours. Yeah. So you're able to connect with some underlying value system or belief system or something you're able to connect with something usually if you're talking about disney from your childhood right and then kind of relive that through the experience so i think that's why those companies are do do what they do so incredibly well because they're able to really identify what is really going to connect with their with their guests with their customers with the people traveling and coming to see them that is really going to create huge impact I will say the one show, I've seen one Cirque du Soleil show when it was in Las Vegas, and it was O oh, mm. in 2017, I want to say. And it was. It was absolutely mind-blowing. It was the first and last show I've ever seen. And the fact that it was O, oh, I had heard so many good things. Because mm -hmm. that's the one with all the water stunts and the stages like completely submerged. And I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. It's definitely one of the, in terms of the resident shows of Cirque du Soleil, the ones that don't move, that don't tour, it is the most iconic of them all. So yeah, you picked a good one. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> Bob, have you ever seen one of the shows? I have. I have. I don't remember when. Uh, I'm always fascinated by the physical aspect of it. That's sort of what, what appeals to me the most. Seeing, un understanding the, the effort that's 
that someone has to put in to be able to achieve those physical stunts is pretty uh, amazing to me. You know, what's really interesting about uh, what you see on stage is there's a lot of work that goes into actually transforming these elite athletes into performers. Because if you think, think about a gymnast, for example, on one particular tour that I was on, there was five Olympians in, my, in the artistic troupe. So it was a really high, high caliber of, uh, of artists. But if you think, of, think about gymnastics, for example, when you're doing a floor routine, when you're doing a routine, you're not performing to the audience. You are very strict, like Olympian mindset. You're, you're not looking at anyone else. You're focused on the apparatus and that's it. Yep. You may look at the judges at the beginning and the end if you're lucky, but that, that's, that's what you're there to do. They go through actually quite a long training process of actually transforming themselves from that elite athlete into now a performer so they do a lot of a lot of clowning they do a lot of crazy things to try and bring that inner performer out because they've never had to use that part of their skill set before you know they've only ever focused on the the actual skills themselves so it's a really it's I think a lot of people probably don't think about that but it's a really interesting transformation that they go to in terms of creating that experience for the guest because if you think of like a rigid gymnast even if they're even if it's the the craziest skills you've ever seen in your life if they're not a performer you're not going to be attracted to that part of the act right or, or you're not going to kind of connect with it in a way so it's yeah it's such a cool interesting process yeah i never considered that and it, it is really an important process or an important aspect of the show is feeling that connection with the performers Absolutely. and not that you're you're there to watch them perform a feat but you're there to interact with them and see them and have fun with them yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah very interesting so now do you have general recommendations on for the traveler themselves on how they can better receive the experiences provided to them by organizations like the ones that you you participate with yeah I mean I I start to think of myself as a traveler all the way from when I first started traveling so I I mean I was traveling from when I was a baby basically uh, and so travel is part of a lot of people say, oh, when, you know, when did you start falling in love with travel or when you start traveling? Like travel is literally a part of me. It's a part of who I am, who I've always been. And so I like to think of all of those, you know, all those experiences that have come from when I was traveling with my family to traveling as an individual to now being, I would consider myself incredibly well-traveled and I feel like I can kind of be put in any environment and, and be able to thrive. And when I think about taking advantage of the experience, I awareness is the first word that kind of springs to mind. And when I talk about awareness, I talk about a couple of things. The first thing is this kind of preemptive awareness where you're actually learning a little bit, a little bit about the people before you go there. And I think this is really, really important. And when I, I really talk about maybe you learn a couple of words in the language, maybe you learn a little bit about the history of the place. And I'll give you an example. I uh, spent three months in Moscow, Russia with Cirque du Soleil. And I've never, I'd never been before and I'd never actually been to any ex-Soviet country. It was the first time that I was in that environment. Uh, and I actually followed Moscow with Poland after. So it was a very interesting journey to kind of learn about that history. Now, if I had gone into Moscow not knowing anything about the history of Russia, not knowing anything about the people, the struggles that they went through, and actually to where they are today, I think I would have had a very different experience there. But because I actually took a little bit of time to actually learn about what happened in communist Russia, learn about Stalin, learn about these 
characters in history that have, you know, for the good or bad, actually transformed what what Russia is today. And because I kind of had a little bit of awareness, not I'm I'm no expert or anything like that, but because I learned a little bit about the history, I I believe that I was able to connect better with the people that I was meeting on a day to day basis, and not in the sense of talking about history, but kind of understanding the behavior of people now and how potentially history has influenced that. And you can see that in, I mean, I'm talking about Moscow right now, but you can see that in any country you go to all around the world, right? History has such a big part on the influence of the behavior of the people today. And so I think that's the first thing is learning a little bit about where you're actually going and not from like a monument point of view, not like what are the capitals and that kind of thing, but what's happened to these people historically that that shape has shaped who they are today. And I think it's, it gives you such a cool insight and it also makes you a lot more empathetic and understanding when you see something that you're not used to or you come across something that maybe you don't believe in or you don't agree with. And now all of a sudden, instead of being like, oh, no, I'm not, I don't want, you know, now you're like, huh, okay, wait, let me think about this for a second. Interesting. Okay. So it, that it makes a world of difference. Yeah. And Elliot and I are huge advocates yeah. for that. Uh, we've it's talked right about up Bob's alley. Yeah, so it's mine yeah. too, but you always do this. Well, I think that's I'm a, I'm a very very detailed travel planner, and yeah. understanding the history of the culture and the country is a big part of planning because I cater my trip to learning more about that history once I'm actually on the ground in the area, and it goes it goes beyond the culture. You can you can appreciate the architecture more deeply. You can appreciate the food more deeply when you understand how these meals came to be through the history of that culture, yeah. why they selected certain ingredients. And when you finally sit down and appreciate that meal, understanding the history just makes the entire overall experience way more meaningful. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you're speaking my language right now. This is <laughs> so much. Well, I think yeah. a lot of the reasons we pick countries to go to is because we know them. Right. Like we, when people, when people pick a destination, it's not because they don't know it it's because they have specific things they want to see or they have an idea of or something influenced them to want to go there and i think it's more so with business related items business related trips that you're going with a clean slate like it's not your choice to go there but you're going there anyway and that is when you definitely should look at learning a few uh, phrases or learning at least some of the alphabet. If you're, if it's you know Russia, it's a very different alphabet than the American alphabet, or China is completely different. Yeah. And then learning about the history, and you don't have to, you don't have to dig into a, the Encyclopedia Britannica or go into a deep mm -hmm. Wikipedia search. Just know a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and it's very interesting when we talk about language i'm currently in montenegro and i'm i'm not here long term I'm, i've got a couple months left but what's very interesting for me here that i've never experienced before is and you know like i mentioned i'm quite well traveled i speak a couple of languages but i definitely do not speak montenegrin or serbian or any of the offshoots of those languages so i have no kind of frame of reference when i'm trying to communicate now now we have the extra added element of everyone wearing a mask so now I cannot communicate Ooh. through my facial expressions, which is very, yeah, it's a very interesting, because when you th think about it, if you cannot communicate with somebody, if you speak a different language, your facial expressions pay a, play a large part 
in the vibe that you guys are creating. You're smiling, you know, you're, you're doing gestures, you know, and now with the mask, I, I, I try to think, am I smiling with my eyes? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I want to come across as really like friendly and, and really just like super chill, but without my mouth almost like it's so incredibly difficult. And that is, yeah, that is like an interesting, uh, uh, something that should be studied by like sociologists yeah you know right that's that's some interesting insight into the into the uh, some of the uh i guess side effects of this pandemic is body language and reading people Mm -hmm. especially if you don't speak the language so different so different the eyes can say a lot but the mouth also says it's like 70 percent of it that's it. The minute you smile, like you already have this huge, this huge uh, barrier that's now come down, right? A right. wall that's yeah. come down in between the both of you. Yeah. And even when I, you know, I, I catch a lot of taxis here because I don't have a car and it's just so interesting. The first, the first minute or two are very, you know, cold in a way. And then I, I drop in a couple of Montenegrin words and they're like, what? Like they're all confused. They're like, who is this? <laughs> um, but by the end, I'm able to get there. But it is a lot longer process than I would have, uh, that would have happened if I was just like able to smile and kind of laugh and, you know, from, from the very right. first moment. So yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic. So is part of uh, the experience building for the organization that is, that is molding this experience, uh, decreasing the friction between the, the traveler and the experience and almost making it as seamless uh, and as easy of a transition as possible? That seems to be the challenge. Yeah, because think about it from the traveler's point of view, right? Like if you go on an experience, like an organized experience, for example, you want to feel that connection straight away. And an experience may only last, maybe say, for example, you're going on a two-hour tour. It's such a short amount of time, right? You want to feel that level of friendliness, connectedness to the, the guide or the host or whoever you're working with, like almost immediately. And you also want to feel that, you have a, some value in that group. You want to feel, you know, it, sometimes when you're from, like I, I grew up in Australia. So when I say I'm Australian, automatically there's this positive association. And then depending on how much people know about Australia, we end up talking about kangaroos or we end up talking about, you know, beaches or sharks. There's sharks surrounding the entire country. And, uh, you know, so that, so you already have that connectedness. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges. The last thing you would want as a business is for a traveler to come on your experience and you haven't connected with them and they leave the experience and yeah, they, they've seen the things, but how do they feel? Like, did they, did they feel something really deep inside them that they will talk about for the next 20, 30 years? You know, probably not if you haven't made that connection. How do you quantify that? I mean, that's where I I think things like feedback come in. That's where things like reviews come in. That's where things like uh, conversations come in. And depending on the size of the business, a lot of the companies that I work work with that are a lot smaller actually can have personalized conversations, you know, after the fact. Or maybe they have, I've worked with a couple of companies where they, they actually have some guests that have been with them for quite a long time coming back and back again. So I think it's about asking the right questions and asking it in a way that's not um, like a burden, like, oh, please mm-hmm. fill out this survey of 100 questions. Like, nobody's going to do that, you know? Right. It's yeah, finding, no. like, how how can we get that data after the fact 
but in a way that's really authentic, in a way that's really adding to the experience and not taking away from it. Because often those things will take away from the experience because it's seen as an added burden. So that's the challenge. It's not easy. There's no, I don't think there's any correct answer for that but usually that's that's the first step yeah i know when i get when i get uh emails or phone calls asking for my input on a survey if it's more than two minutes i likely won't do it yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's i actually uh recently wrote a a little kind of pdf uh guide around like how to get that five-star review and even writing it was quite challenging because it's it's there's so many there's just it's such a task to fill out a survey isn't it like you mentioned if you if you don't know how many questions you know at the top if it's not like two of 20 questions if you don't know how many questions you feel like you could be this endless wormhole if you there's no incentive there so it's an interesting process it is obviously highly valuable for the organization but it does it can have quite the negative impact if you don't do it in a really kind of thoughtful way which is where the challenge comes in yeah my mom worked at Millersville University in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and she was part of the administrative office, and she would do a lot of research and assessment and strategy building, and she would always ask me, especially when I was in college still, she would ask me how, what would it take for me to fill out a survey so they could get feedback? I was like, probably like a $10 Amazon gift card. (laughs) (laughs) And then they started doing that, and they actually got a little bit more feedback. Course, but there, yeah. there needs to be more incentive than just for the sake of helping the company. Mm-hmm. And the only other time I will do surveys, if it's for something that I really like or really believe in, or I had a really great experience and I yeah. wanted to provide the feedback. Exactly. Yeah. I recently went, uh, a friend of mine came to visit me recently and we went to this beautiful vineyard near here called Savannah. It's it's very well known across the country here. And the experience, we did a wine tasting and the experience was, I could not fault one single thing in that whole experience, which is quite rare, especially if you travel a lot, right? Like it's it's quite rare that you can't that you can't kind of nitpick at a couple of things. I there's not one single thing that I could fault in that entire experience. I was blown away, absolutely blown away. And I actually emailed them after the fact and kind of shared my experience with them. They, there was no kind of survey or anything, but I emailed them just to let them know. Um, and I've, I was very intensified to let them know because it was in my mind quite a rare occasion where they'd done the most exceptional job. And I felt like I walked away from that just being like, oh my gosh, like that was just incredible that I really wanted to show up in a way for them to really show them that what they're doing is is amazing you know you don't, I, I feel oftentimes like we don't know the impact that our feedback can potentially have you know like if you've gone on a trip if you're a traveler you've gone on a trip and just say that your your housekeeper was the most incredible person you've you know you've met and you had some really interesting dialogue with them and they went above and beyond whether it was part of their job description or not writing writing to that company and actually telling saying by name who this person was and how amazing they were you could potentially be creating an opportunity for that individual right and so I think oftentimes we have to think that you know our word is very powerful and obviously we're using it for good so how can we actually show up for them in a way that especially when you're talking about individuals in the organization how can you actually leave a message that 
could potentially, I mean, that could pay it forward for a lot longer than you would ever know. So I think yeah. there, there is a little bit of value as you as the traveler, if the experience was amazing, or obviously conversely, if it was terrible and you want them to know about it for them, you know, I recently went, um, I was in London in September and I went to have brunch at this place and one kind of one thing happened after the next and it was so underwhelming by the end and I was just like this was like and they they had such a great reputation you had to make a booking and everything and I actually pulled the manager aside at the end and I was like listen I don't want anything like I'm an experienced strategist this is kind of what I do but I really want to share my experience with you so you can have feedback because there were so many things like that were just, that just did not go to plan and that and, and I wouldn't come back here for that reason and I just want to share it with you you know and he was taken aback and he's like what can I get for you like can I get you some? and I was like I honestly like I don't want anything I just want to I just want to tell you and so my hope was that that information was highly valuable and that they could make some tweaks so you know another guest wouldn't have to have those you know same kind of mistakes and stuff happen so I've, I've done that a few times as well where I uh I valued the intention of the organization to the point and and I didn't have a very good experience. And instead of getting on Yelp and leaving a nasty review uh, for no reason other than to complain, I, I would email the organization directly and just say, Hey, I I like what you're doing. I like the message. I like your intentions with this. I just have some constructive criticism that I think might be valuable to you as, as, uh, as management. And, uh, whether that whether or not they do it and and take that information that's up to them but you know as, i would assume if you're a good manager you would you would take the the that consideration of you know someone utilizing yeah. your your organization for whatever reason but I, it, something caroline that i want to sort of dive into now that we're kind of on the topic uh some of the things that cause bad experiences whether or not that whether that's through like the organization not not paying enough attention to the person or what, what do you notice causes the worst experiences for people? I think if you look at it from two different sides, so if you look at it from the experience design side of things, I think a lack of attention to detail is one of the number one things, right? If you have this kind of overarching experience, but you haven't really thought through, and this is why a lot of my work is understanding the journey of the guest, the, the experience of them with your brand and really understanding how they go through each of those stages to get to the experience itself. Because I feel like once you have that deep understanding of your guest, which if you're a travel company, it means the traveler, then you are going to be able to put a lot more emphasis, prioritization, personalization into elements around the, the around different elements of the trip that are, are going to actually create impact. And one thing that I always talk about is defining moments. So when we recall an experience, we recall two main moments, the peak, which is the defining moment and the end. So they're the two most easily recalled moments of the trip. Think of a trip you've just been on. There's going to be some crazy moment and it could be good or bad, right? But there's a moment that sticks out and the end. And so when we are looking at experience design and as a company, how can we not fall into that terrible experience kind of category? The challenge is not focusing on the moment that we think is the defining moment, but how can we create as many opportunities as possible along the entire journey for defining moments to happen? Because it's going to be different for everyone. Think of if we go back to the Cirque du Soleil example, if you watch a show, there's usually one main act. A lot of people will come just for that act, you know, the wheel of death or something death defying. However, 
it's not going to be everyone's favorite bit. Another part of the show might actually be the thing that connects with someone that wows them, that just that they'll remember forever. So if you focus all your effort on that main act and you don't actually put attention to detail and, and, and magic in the rest of the show, you have just this huge missed opportunity of actually creating defining moments for the other people, really, that, that didn't capture that moment. So I think a lot of time in travel experiences, this is what happens. The focus is really on that one, you know, that, that one main part, you know, and, you know, Rome, a tour around Rome, and they only focus on going to the Vatican City and they don't, they forget about kind of all the other little bits and pieces, then it's, that's where, that's where the cracks start coming. And that's where people start falling into the cracks, you know? So from the business point of view, I, that's what I would say. Um, attention to detail and understanding the journey that your guest is going through. So you can then input all these little micro moments and surprise and delight them in ways that they would, did not expect. From the traveler's point of view, I think a lack of understanding and a lack of uh, empathy is where you start to have negative experiences. So if you come into a situation and you immediately shut it off, and you don't di completely dislike something that's happening, you are going to have a terrible experience no matter what happens. And here in Montenegro, for example, this is a very different way of life to, you know, if you're, if you're traveling around the Mediterranean, generally, it's a very slow pace, you have to be chill, you know, like there's, there's all these sayings in all different Mediterranean countries that all basically say the same thing. And it's like, yeah, we'll get to it tomorrow, you know, that kind of, that kind of mentality. And if you're not used to that, you're, net, you're automatically going to kind of judge that, that part of your experience. Here in Montenegro, for example, there's so many things that have caught me off guard. You know, for example, ordering something online. I mean, actually, you can't really order anything online here, but it doesn't really exist. But, but trying to use, uh, my sister had an example of trying to use her Montenegrin bank card for a purchase and she needed to receive the code you know, you know how you receive like the message with the code in your phone that only happened in banking business hours for whatever reason. So if you try to use it like on a Saturday, you'll get the code like on a Monday. <laughs> it's very, it's very like <laughs> old school here. Right. So okay. can you imagine if, of course, those moments are incredibly frustrating, but when those moments come up, if me as the traveler completely completely disregarded and shut down them and got 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 really annoyed at them and got pissed off and like oh my gosh like this is the worst like can you imagine how that affects your experience oh, instead yeah. of trying to actually understand it a little bit right and yeah you may not like it but you may be able to have a laugh about it and you may actually find a different part of the experience or a different way of doing it that you you've had to be a bit creative you know or you've had to kind of think outside the box as a traveler and I think that's where really cool moments happen usually because they're unexpected. So yeah, they're the two different sides. Yeah. It doesn't sound like New Yorkers or anybody in the Northeast of the United <laughs> States would really like traveling to the Mediterranean because they have to be doing something. They have to be doing two things every minute. I'm guilty of that, but I think the, the <laughs> intellectual traveler, the, the, the wise person, the wise traveler, traveler would have the wherewithal, hopefully to manipulate yeah. their experience to, to make yes. it enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no Amazon here and there's no like food delivery or anything. So they're two, they're two critical parts of a lot of people's uh, day to day. So, um, yeah, if you're able to let go of those two things, then <laughs> you'll be fine. I think. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting was the aspect of everything 
that is not necessarily the experience of the trip, but paying attention to detail, I think also means the journey before the journey. Yeah. Your your experience in researching the activity, researching the hotel, whatever experience you want to go on, and then actually booking it. And if you have questions, making sure that customer service is done appropriately and done the right way in a timely manner. And then that's your journey before you actually get to the destination. And then even before you get to the hotel, if there are arrangements for like transportation to come get you at the airport or at the train station and bring you to your hotel, all of that really makes a difference. I know I took a trip when I was in, when I was studying abroad in Germany, I met my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife in Ireland. And we did like an eight day bus trip with, uh, I think it was called gate one. And they picked us up at the airport, took us to the hotel. And then that was it. Like I didn't have to worry about anything. And it was really, really nice. Now the only thing was that they missed us at the airport. So we had to get a cab. (laughs) Right. But that was okay. It is interesting. Like I think the challenge for these businesses, especially in travel is, how can you make your traveler fall in love with your brand before they even come on the experience? Yep. That's the big, that's the big challenge, right? And I'll give the example of an incredible uh, on, female entrepreneurial retreat company, Pangea Dreams. And I went on a retreat with them to Greece and I, I, I fell in love with that brand before the retreat even happened. And so by the time the retreat actually happened, I felt like I knew the hosts that I knew the, the, my fellow retreaters because we, we all got connected like in a WhatsApp group. I knew, I knew more about the destination and I, my level of excitement was crazy. But we all kind of commented on that first day when we were doing like the meet and greets and everyone was hugging. It was like we already knew each other. And we were so, we, because we, they had done so incredibly well at really, at really kind of inviting us into their, their brand and their values and their, and their vision for what they want uh, the guests to feel when they come in these retreats, that by the time we got there, it was almost like a done deal. So that's a huge challenge and it's very difficult. It's really not easy at all. So if you are a traveler and you've already fallen in love with the brand, like probably it's going to be a great experience, you know? And you also become a little bit less forgiving, right? So if, if that if that's the case, when you're on the experience itself, if a couple things like, you know, if they miss you and you have to take a cab, but you if all that hard work is done, you're going to be a lot more forgiving. You're going to be like, okay, no problem. Yeah, that's fine. Because usually they'll be able to deal with that a lot better. So yeah, it's a, that's the challenge. Hey, Carolyn, are you familiar with the company Kentiki? Kentiki, yeah, like I'm the two. Yeah, they're out of Australia. I think they were founded in Australia, I believe. Um I've used them and we've talked about them a bunch in this podcast. I had an incredible experience with them. I really enjoyed enjoyed that that trip I took with them. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was before we even left, when you download the app, you're already paired with in a social media style forum with everybody you're going to be meeting. Uh, yes. And so it allowed me to see who I was going to meet and sort of get discussions rolling. And we were already part of conversations. Anticipation was building. Everybody, you know, someone would come and I can't wait to meet everybody. And they built up the experience weeks before I even left to go do it. And then when I finally got there and you, you met the people who you were talking to or who provided information to you, it was it was incredible. And and then you already had that the foundation for those relationships existed. And then you were able to build upon it almost immediately. 
upon meeting them in person. We'll really think cool. that goes back to what we were saying before <coughs> about we all want to feel heard, we want to feel understood, we want to feel this level of connection with someone and that we're surrounded by like-minded people and similar energy, right? Mm-hmm. So if you already feel all of those things before you even go, then you it's going to be such this incredibly flawless transition when you actually when you actually arrive. Yeah. 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 I think I remember listening to something a few years ago where we have so many material things in the world and there's there's not much more that I mean there's always going to be more that we could buy and that we could get but I think a lot is transitioning to the personalization of things it's the getting the custom made cutting board for your kitchen it's getting the custom made uh entry mat that has your family's name on it all that kind of stuff. And I think travel is no different. I mean, with the, the technology and the software that we have through, you know, Google, Amazon, iPhone, Apple, all of that stuff being able to not necessarily track personal information, but um, some information about you as a person, either through your Facebook profile or through your, like, internet searches that they can tailor certain experiences and personalize it when you get there or before you get there without you even knowing. Mm. And I think also now coming out of 2020, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how travel unfolds over the next couple of years, because I think there's going to be a lot more attention onto working with smaller businesses. And you talk about that personalization in terms of material goods. I think there's going to be, it, it already happens, but I want to buy something off that local business in on that Greek island as opposed to something that I can get online, you know, and also looking at those experiences that are potentially a little bit more remote, just removed away from the masses. But that's where actually that's where the idea of personalization comes in a lot more, usually because it's a smaller, maybe a smaller villa. So they have a lot more time to spend with each individual guest. Maybe they're able to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm really interested to see kind of over the next one to two years when we can start like freely traveling again, how what we've learned in 2020 and especially around that idea of supporting small businesses because we've seen the effect that something like this pandemic can have on that and actually kind of looking at how we can support them and how that mentality becomes second nature when we're booking trips and where we're, we're trying to decide on where to go and what to do. Yeah. Something that you sparked, Elliot, uh, with, with what you said about the personalization of, of your electronics is how valuable uh, data, personal data is going to be like the new commodity. It, it's, it's going it to be, is. oil is going to be number two now and, and personal data is sort of what's going to drive the global economy in, in, in a way, right? If you can manipulate experiences almost instantly to people's personal data and everybody has their own extremely personalized experience with whatever it is. And you kind of already see it, not necessarily through material things and things when you reach a destination, because not necessarily a lot of companies are able to provide that data. But when you're doing internet searches and you're looking at things, it's within hours that you see that pop up on your Instagram feed, ads for on your Instagram feed or ads on your Facebook feed or ads on a website that you just visited. And you're like, how (laughs) do they know all this? And it's because you are giving them access to it when you sign up, when you sign all those agreements. Right, 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 right. All right, Caroline. Well, are you ready for the the surprise round? 
the oh rapid fire question round. Yeah. That I'm terrible every- at rapid fire because I always give really long answers. So, and I get carried away. So. It, that's fine. There, there are actually no rules to this rapid fire question round, but we're going to go through them. There's 12 questions. And then okay. after we're done those questions, we're going to give you the opportunity to share your social media pages okay. and everywhere anybody can follow you on your, your journey, whether it's through your travels or your, your business endeavors. So, Elliot, do you want to get started with the rapid fire round? I do, I do. Okay. Uh, Caroline, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? Greece. Nice. What home comfort do you miss the most while traveling? Right now, it's ordering a pizza because I can't do that here. Oh. <laughs> does Does Montenegro have good pizza? Um, apparently I'm yet to find, I'm yet yeah. to find. <laughs> we'll, we'll follow up on that question. <laughs> yeah. If you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Olive oil. I'm obsessed oh, with olive oil. That's a good, oh, that would be that's so like, good. That's, that's like, good you know, Greek goddess kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be so good for the skin. Yeah. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? An accountant or a banker? Hmm. I think accountant. Well, we'll have, we have yeah. to keep track. We'll have to go back through and see where the tally is. Yeah, and then we'll have to find a banker and an accountant willing to fight to settle it <laughs> once and for all. <laughs> the debate, the live debate on the traveler's blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you rather drink wine or coffee for the rest of your life? Wine. Say hello in your favorite language. I think I'm learning Greek right now, so yes, us in Greek. How, how do you say it? Yes, us? Yes, us. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. I've never heard that. I don't know Greek very well. I don't know what it's called. It's, you know, you, there's many iterations of, of hey, hello, you know, all yeah. the things, but that's mm-hmm. the, the general one. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you could travel with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be? Hmm. My goodness. Uh, there's a, I read a book recently, a woman by the name of Gertrude Bell. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's a British, she's, it's, it's a story from the early 1900s. But she is, a, if you look at the list of her accomplishments, she's like a, a mountain climber. She's a diplomat. She's like, she was a, a British spy at one point. She has this really incredible story. And she actually was very instrumental in uh, Arabia, as it used to be called, and really traveling around that, that area as a female and actually, and actually sitting down with chiefs of these different tribes all, all, all through the desert and actually having these relationships with them. And I was just so completely enamored by her story. So I would love to kind of go back in time and, and jump on a camel next to her and travel through Arabia. I think that would be incredible. Wow. Oh, that's really cool. That, so that, she, she also lived and traveled around the same time as T.E. Lawrence, which yeah, got that yeah, name, they Lawrence paths. of Arabia. Yeah, yeah they crossed paths, okay. those two, yeah. What is one item remaining on your bucket list? Um, so I really want to go to Morocco. It's a huge, I was spoke, I spoke recently about, uh, I spoke before about Pangea Dreams, the, the retreat company. We were supposed to go on a, a retreat in Morocco in April. And of course that got completely canceled. And Morocco is, I just have, you know, when you're a traveler, usually you have a feeling about things. There, there's a lot of intuition when it comes to travel. And I just have a feeling that 
I will be highly connected to some part of that culture or that that place. So I'm just dying to go there. Morocco calls to me too in like this this romantic sort of way. I don't. There's something about it. The the, the seeing experiencing the uh, the city of Casablanca and the mountain ranges and everything. Yeah, I. I tried to learn Moroccan Arabic, but it's very hard. <laughs> very, very hard. All right. If you could pick an actress to play you in a movie, who would you choose? Oh, my gosh. Um, oh. I think two, two that spring to mind is Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock, maybe. I don't All right. know. Yeah. Either one. Yeah, the, would be they're the first two. Yeah. yeah. That comes to my mind. <laughs> if you were stuck in one city for the rest of your life, which city would you choose? I am about to move to just outside of Athens. So I think I, you know, based on the fact that I want to be living over in Greece, I would probably maybe not say Athens, but maybe say one of the islands that I'm yet to discover. Mm, okay. If you owned a yacht, what would you name it? Oh my gosh. I think actually one of uh, my nicknames is Hermit because as outgoing and, and kind of people oriented I am, I'm actually quite a hermit. I travel by myself. I really like to, you know, I like to be super low key. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the first thing that came to mind. Maybe that would be it. <laughs> hermit. And I think that's appropriate for a yacht because you could also just live on that by yourself. Yeah, and maybe it would kind of deter people from like trying to interact with me and stuff and just like, right. oh. <laughs> sail away. Yeah. <laughs> this is the very last question. So what is one piece of advice you'd give to the decade younger version of yourself? I think that that every experience that I'm going through is actually going to show up later in a really positive way. I think that's something I'm currently 35. And I think that's something that I've definitely learned in the last couple of years is that so much of what has happened to me, you know, good, bad, the skills that I've learned, the challenges that I've gone through actually now are showing up in a way that's actually adding to my expertise, the way I communicate, how I make friends, you know, the success that I'm seeing in my life. And I think that is such a hindsight thing. Like you'll never be able to convince someone of that in the moment. But I think that would be the the message that I would, that I would try and go back and impress on my younger self. I, I think that same way. So, and you could tie that into a lot of different things, whether it's planning financially, whether it's, it's exercising. A lot of times people get discouraged because they put in the work that day and they don't see the, the uh, um, results. results that night. But if you look at it as putting in the work today, what you do today is going to impact you in 10 years and 10 year older version of you will benefit greatly from the, from the work you put in today. I think it'll make more sense and it's easier, at least for me, to be okay with just sweating all day long, putting in the work for whatever it is and not getting any gratification from it in that moment. Yeah. It's yeah, delayed. delayed Delayed gratification is one of the which we're not used things. to right now, right? Yeah. But I know, I know for me in 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 how I think about my life now, like even when I think about my career path, I've never really had kind of a standard nine to five. I've, you know, it took me I think like six and a half years to do like a three and a half year degree at university because I kind of just went and traveled and came back and quit and deferred and I eventually did it. 
but I kind of did everything my own way, which is, which I'm very, very proud of. But there were so many times in my life where I was so incredibly stressed out that I hadn't gone a linear path or that I became quite a generalist. And I really wasn't, I really wasn't a specific at anything. And it's only now that I'm thinking, wow, I could not, could not have built the career that I'm currently building with the expertise that I'm able to impart had I not kind of done that, that kind of mishmash of a journey, you know? So, right. yeah. 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 Caroline, thank you for coming on the show. Before <laughs> we go awesome. though, share, share everything, share your social media, uh, your website. Let's hear it all. Where can people follow you? So the project that I'm most excited about right now is the experience creators. And this is an interview series on YouTube where I interview people who I believe are incredible experience creators from all around the world in all different industries with the hope that you, as somebody who's creating an experience, whatever that means for yourself, will actually have more tools, more insights, more creative ideas into how you can actually create a more impactful, more meaningful experience. And I started doing some like kind of Instagram lives and the conversations that I was inviting at the time, it was some friends of mine that actually had some really cool expertises like brand partnerships and travel, um, you know, travel influencer and storytelling, like uh, copywriting and storytelling. And the conversations were getting so good. Like I was thinking, oh my God, I'd finish these interviews and think, wow, these are so awesome. Like I want more people to see them than, you know, the couple of people that are watching these, these lives. So I transformed that into a YouTube series. And so, uh, you know, I think I'm about six episodes in, but I'm trying to really get people from all walks of life so that you can pull out, you can really pull out the bits that, that really you connect with the most. And so that's on YouTube. It's called the experience creators. You can just type in the experience creators and find that there. Um, and then Instagram is just, it's just my name there. I share a lot of, a lot of travel, obviously, uh, that's a big part of who I am. So there's a lot of amazing travel at Montenegro where I am now is incredibly beautiful. So there's a lot of really uh, in incredible shots from here. And, uh, so that's Caroline Maley, just my, my full name. And then my website is the same carolinemaley.com. And that goes more, the website goes into a little bit more detail into, uh, my business, as an experienced strategist and also I have some resources there and stuff like that. So awesome. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. The conversation was wonderful and I'm really excited to follow along with your creator series. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Do you mind if I, I, I wrote down this little quote that I wanted to share with you guys uh, that I think pertains to travelers a lot. And I would love Absolutely. to share it before we, before we started recording, I, I mentioned to you that one of my favorite books is called the Celestine prophecy by James Redfield and anyone listening, if you're a traveler, it's a, it's a book, it's a must read, but um, we were talking a lot about intuition and really when you're traveling, actually latching onto those moments where you may be a bit nervous to try them, but they're really going to potentially create some impact. So the quote goes, it says that whenever people cross our paths, there is always a message for us. Chance encounters do not exist, but how we respond to these encounters determines whether we are able to receive the message. If we have a conversation with someone who crosses our path and we do not see a message pertaining to our current questions, it does not mean that there was no message. It only means that we missed it for some reason or we weren't ready for it. So it's my, one of my favorite quotes and I absolutely love it. I like that. Insightful. Yeah. And I, I downloaded the book. Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> was... well, before the show and we, yeah, I grabbed it on Audible. 
So I'm going to listen to it. Have you listened to it yet? No, I'm not. Honestly, I, I can't get it. I'm such an old school book reader. Like I like the book. I, I've tried Audible a number of times. And as much as I, I actually really love podcasts and I love listening to interviews, but I'm yet to actually remain engaged for, for, from a book point of view. I, I like to read it. Read yeah. like the old school. <laughs> I'm the same way. I like the old school, well, except for I just migrated to a Kindle. So oh, it does, I, it does I, feel like yeah. a book. I actually went That's to turn the page oh. once. I definitely know when I was traveling with Cirque du Soleil, I had almost a suitcase full of books at one time. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was like, why don't you just get a Kindle? I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not. <laughs> but yeah. when you're a full-time traveler, like having a bunch of books in your suitcase is like basically like rocks in the bottom of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. a weight yeah. point of view. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. But it was, again, thank you for, so much for coming on and we had a wonderful time speaking with you and learning about your experiences. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, gosh, I love this conversation. <laughs> thank you. I dare you to name, or I challenge you, maybe I challenge you, I challenge you okay. to name a more important reason for traveling over the experience itself. Is there one? Uh, to escape whatever you're running from. Huh. <laughs> okay. Up the, uh, I would allow that to be up for debate. <laughs> but, but, so Caroline has no, a really interesting No, I agree. I think, I think what you said, it, it is, traveling is about the experience. It, solely, right? Yeah. I mean, no matter how you spin it, whether you want to taste the food or meet people or look at the architecture, it's about the experience. Um, and so her job's incredibly interesting. She's all about formulating the thing that we all seek through travel. And that was just, that was very insightful, a really good conversation. And, and someone that I, I, I hope we stay in touch with because I'm curious to see where her work takes her over the years, because yes. that's some good, that's, that's really good data. Very interesting information, especially for the two of us who are very interested in the travel world. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Uh, thank you for listening. And just as an FYI on our YouTube channel, all of our guests that have their own YouTube channel, we follow them. So you could follow them through us as well. And it's just really easy. Uh, you can leave us comments on YouTube. You can leave us comments on social media, whether that is Instagram or Facebook. We're not really on Twitter that much. Uh, but if you want to contribute to the show non-financially, leaving a review is really helpful. If you want to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, which is uh, a minimum of $1 a month, super cheap, mm-hmm. or you go up to $10 a month. And that's if you really want to help us produce the show, which we spend about 20 hours a week doing per episode. And it would just mean a lot to us. It helps keep the show going and we don't see an end in sight, but it makes it easier for us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate it.